Hello and welcome to your own personal Beatles series three. We're back with a bunch of new episodes talking to some amazing people about their personal relationship with the Beatles and how their formative music experiences have changed their lives and work and everything else. With me as ever is Robin Allender. Hi Robin, welcome back. How are you? Hello Jack, it's great to be back. Um, I've missed it. I just couldn't let it lie. (laughs) Yeah, we left on a bit of a a cliffhanger, which wasn't deliberate. Um, (laughs) But uh, we decided for, due to some popular demand and lack of uh, any other ideas... (laughs) That we'd uh, we'd come back and uh, you know share some share some more Beatles memories with you. Yeah. And today we've got a fantastic episode featuring someone we've wanted to get on the pod for a long time now, Sam Carter from the band Architects, who uh, we wanted to get on last series. We kind of ran out of time. You know, we did it in person, so it was kind of perfect way to kick off. Yeah, Sam's such a lovely man, and. Um... Without exaggeration, I mean, he knows more about the Beatles than both of us put together, like, easily. He's a huge, (laughs) huge Beatles fan, and, yeah, just a lovely, lovely man. And it's just really interesting to get perspective from, you know, slightly different style of music, maybe from other musicians we've talked to um, on the show, because you wouldn't necessarily always put metal and the Beatles together. So it's just great to get those perspectives. And uh, and then obviously he's recorded in Abbey Road. So lots to talk about. Yeah, so we chat about that. We talk about sort of vocal styles, uh, mm. keeping yourself fit on tour vocally and sort of, the, you know, Paul particularly good at that. And then we talk about his sort of penchant for digging around the world for Beatles treasures when he's on tour. Um, and we get stuck into all sorts of things. So mm. um, really fun episode to look forward to. First of all, you know, it's been a while. Yeah. How's, how's your Beatles summer holiday been? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I, um, yeah, it's like I genuinely just did miss it because I felt the great thing about doing this podcast, I think I've said a few times, is this idea that, you know, when we interviewed Joe Wisby, Beatles books, you know, he said this great thing was, you know, it feels like you started your Beatles journey with the podcast, which is such a nice way of saying we didn't have a clue what we were doing at the start. But yeah, I have just missed that kind of just constantly finding out new things, learning new things. And, you know, we're all on a journey. Mm. But yeah, like Beatle wise, I read Peter Doggett's um, You Never Give Me Your Money, which is just just such a good book. I think particularly if, you, if you've if you just come out of the watching Get Back and you want something to kind of, to, to, to let you know what happened next, it's, it's such a good book, so detailed. I mean, 150 pages and it's you still kind of know further on with working out exactly why yeah. the Beatles split up and everything. But it's such a good book as well about, um, you know, debunking myths, uh, kind mm-hmm. of you, you get a new spin on certain stories. You know, like the, the thing I f- found really fascinating in it was the idea that Paul McCartney heard the Phil Spector Let It Be mixes and did have a chance to kind of change things. But it was only when it was mm. too late that he kind of decided he didn't want them to be the way they were. Which I thought is so interesting. I think, like, the way he, he writes about Paul McCartney's character is, is you know, it's, it's just so interesting that this kind of... I think we say somewhere in the, sh- in, in, the, in the forthcoming episode, this kind of tragic hero in 69 yeah, yeah. and 70, you know, where his empire is kind of uh, falling apart, like a kind of King Lear character kind of thing. Mm. <laughs> I didn't really listen to much... Beatles at the beginning of the year I think mm. I felt like I needed a, a little bit of a break and then um, I don't know about you but there was a bit of an explosion of sort of amazing contemporary 
stuff coming out yeah. at the beginning of this year. It looked like 2022 was going to be one of the most incredible years for music. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it just felt like there was a big, maybe things have been, you know, because of the pandemic, you know, sort of, uh, there's some delay and it did seem to all come out. Yeah, it was amazing. What, what in particular has, has grabbed your ears? We're very fond, both of us, of the Let's Eat Grandma record. Yeah. That's probably still still my kind of album of the year. Mm. Um, some really interesting hip-hop, the Black Thought album. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed. I really um, like that. The Sudan Archives album is really good. The Black mm. Midi album was just phenomenal, I thought. Um, yeah. C. Duncan, that album was just brilliant. I mean, if, if from a pop kind of songwriting craft perspective just absolute genius we'd love to have him on on the pod actually yeah yeah it's a fantastic album yeah so once we decided that we were going to come back i sort of circled back into it mm. and thought i should do a little bit of boning up so i the sort of standout books that i read would be um you know i finished off the the reading the whole of the paul mccartney lyrics book which is a, oh, great. a must read yeah um but the both of the kenneth womack books particularly john lennon 1980 yeah uh, is really brilliant i mean i learned a lot about the sort of you know a, a bit of a kind of unmined era in in lennon lots about the sort of later period McCartney Lennon rivalry slash relationship, mm. particularly his his obsession with the song uh, coming up. Yeah. Which is a real sort of, you know, feeds in and out of those last years. But I really recommend that one. The other one is I think we talked about on the podcast before Solid State. Mm. Um but lots of these come up in sort of future episodes that are coming up this series really. So I won't go yeah. into too much detail of them. But you know, still uncovering so much uh, you know, treasure in, mm. in the Beatles mythos. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the amazing thing in um, Lennon eighty is the trip to Bermuda, and yeah, yeah just yeah. Uh, extraordinary, extraordinary experience. Particularly John <laughs> navigating the ship in the treacherous waters as they sail down to Bermuda. It's like yeah, really and amazing. Absolutely loving it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loved it. But then I, you know, all the stuff about him, you know, finding that kind of songwriting mojo and. Um, the kind of recording setup he had and the importance of Bo of Bob Marley as well, like to, mm, to that kind yeah. of um, what he was listening to at the time and stuff. It's, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. And I think we touch on it in this episode as well, the sort of the neuroses and the, you know, his relationship with the music press and something, yeah. which is another thing we talk about quite a lot in this, um, in this episode with mm -hmm. Sam Carter. But um we what you wanted to have a little chat about wings this series, <laughs> which is uh, talking of unmined gold. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the things um, I did in the break was uh, listen to every Wings album. Just thought I needed to give them a fair crack of the whip, and uh, you know, it's it's been it's been great. It's just it's, there's so much stuff that's great. Like not all of it is great, obviously, and I'm sure mm. like people listening will be obviously be very familiar with Wings, but yeah. It's, you know, there are certain pockets of it which are kind of, although they're still hugely famous, you like you couldn't really say there's like an obscure wing song because everything no, they've all done is really famous. And sold millions and millions of records. Yeah, you get into this weird fuzzy logic thing when you're talking about the Beatles, I think, because you, you, you can't really say stuff isn't well known or yeah. kind of you a know, deep cut is uh, a, a single you dream to have the success. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like obviously particularly like Wings Over America um, and Speed of Sound and Venus and Mars. But I wanted to do a thing with the new series where we have a segment called Weekly Wings, 
where mm-hmm. we just uh, we could talk about a particular Wings song or, you know, a, a Wings vibe. Sure. Sounds like it needs a jingle. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'm working on the jingle. Very hard to do a jingle. Very hard to kind of parody Wings. Yeah, really it's almost sort of self, self-pastiching in a lot of ways. But still good. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a song on Wings at the Speed of Sound called um, Must Do Something About It, which I've just been really yeah. obsessing over, really. Speed of Sound was this album where Paul was trying to democratise the, the band and have other people in the band singing. So it's a song that's sung by Joe English, the drummer. And what I love about it is I just I just really like pop songs that have a slightly odd grammatical or kind of slightly, a slightly oddly placed in tense. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, so this completely. idea that the song is called I Must Do Something About It, it's, it's written in this weird kind of present tense where I used to think a lot of pop songs are kind of like, I used to be really sad, but now I'm happy. Yeah. I used to be mad at my girl. Yeah, or vice versa. <laughs> you know, yeah. I used to be really happy, but now I'm very sad, mm. you know, since my baby left me kind of thing. But to have a song which is like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I hope to change things. Mm. I must do something about it. That yeah, weird it's a bit like having work. a sort of boiler that needs replacing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it sort of it sets this really kind of quite odd, like existential kind of note mm. and it actually sounds very like a kind of the lyrics are very almost like morrissey yeah really this it starts with this kind of um you know i've just seen another sunset on my own <laughs> like yeah. this kind of really quite tragic kind of story mm. kind of thing but yeah i just i just i think it's kind of really interesting and then obviously the idea that he he was giving the songs out to people in the band and he gave joe english like this incredibly miserable <laughs> song <laughs> there's something quite funny about it yeah. But yeah, what do, you, what do you think about that song? Have well, you had a chance to listen to it? My relationship with Wings is, is I think it sounds quite similar in that I've, you know, skirted over it a lot and never really, you know, I wouldn't say any of their albums have ever been on repeat. I don't know them particularly well. And, and this isn't a track that, you're You're a big fan of um, Wings Over America. Wings Over America, I absolutely love. Mm. I think um, sonically it's one of the best sounding live records ever made. Um, yeah. And that was a huge hit. And I think maybe my parents had that. And my mum was into... My, I think I remember very clearly when I sort of found out about Wings and I asked my mum whether they were good. And she said, yes, that her exact words were, they were good, but he wanted to let his wife in the band. <laughs> and she couldn't really sing. So, and that's what, that was my takeaway. That's what I remembered my mum sort of praising oh, right. what so the band was that. about. So I thought it was, like, oh, it was some kind of vanity project or whatever. Mm. Um, but you know, which you know does Linda a big disservice. But um, you know, it was yeah. reductive to say the least. But um, right. this song in particular, you know, it's, it's definitely not one that I. As soon as you mentioned this one was the one you wanted to talk about, I couldn't really sort of place it. And then as soon as I started listening to it, I was like, oh yes, yes, this one, this is mm. really good. And I didn't know when I was young that it was Joe English doing the vocal. I just I was mm. always thought. Paul sounds really different. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's really interesting. I mean, yeah. musically, it's really great. I mean, it's a proper mm. masterclass in sort of soft pop writing. It reminds yeah. me of the sort of slightly smaltzy Stevie Wonder 70s albums, Songs in the Key and Life sort of thing. Yeah, I think there's quite a lot of Stevie on Speed of Sound, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
that sort of very conventional harmony that sounds more complicated than it is and a bit more jazzy than it is mm. not doing it down but in there's the sort of very interesting choices of bass notes and stuff and you know mm. it's very proficient almost verging on kind of virtuosic pop writing not yeah. in a sort of flowery baroque pop way but in a just sort of really self-assured and um yeah quite a bit of pomp to it i guess that's kind of the sort of proggy almost um yeah it's a kind of glam element isn't it it's all very deliberate yeah there's also a kind of country element to it as well i mean yeah. it sounds a bit like the eagles at points as well mm. i mean it's very it, you, even the biggest fan of in the world would have a tough time arguing that it's consistent any <laughs> songs on this record but um this is a real standout yeah. one yeah I definitely mean. um it's just kind of really really stayed with me yeah weekly wings yeah check it out <laughs> um so we we had lots of lovely emails when we were away and um so thank you very much for everyone who's got in touch with us you can uh continue to get in touch with us and share your personal beetles with us by emailing me jack at homespunsounds.com uh, we have resurrected our Patreon as well, so if you do want to support the show, you can get extended ad-free versions of the show. And this series, you can get them a little bit earlier than everyone else if you sign up. So you can go to patreon.com forward slash personal Beatles and help us sort of financially. And if you don't have the means or the want to contribute to the show financially, then you can just go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating, which is uh, very helpful and helps other people find the podcast and all that sort of jazz and mm. is very much appreciated. Yeah, I do. we do just have to quickly say as well, another thing we've done while we've been on our holidays is went to see Mark Lewison's uh, yes. Evolver 62. And I think by the time this go out, goes out there will be one more performance of that at the Bloomsbury Theatre can't recommend it enough really obviously Mark Lewison is just the foremost Beatles expert and it's um just an amazing stage show about uh 1962 mm -hmm. the kind of Beatles first year as it were the kind of yeah. well not the first year how would you describe 1962 the well kind it's of the end of his the first part of his intended trilogy uh his yeah. huge tomes of, of tune-in um, so it focuses on that kind of last year, which is really the where everything comes together. And it, mm. it, the book ends with them basically putting out their first single um, mm. and just before they go kind of stratospheric, really. Yeah, um, it's that kind of, yeah, it's the, the kind of epochal year, I guess. Uh, it's done really well. It's, he goes through 62 kind of different artifacts of that year. And they, he uses them to tell a story. And it, what's great about Mark Lewis is it's all about the kind of, there's lots of human stories there, mm -hmm. you know, people who are at the cavern and things. And and again, you know, like we were talking about earlier, it's about kind of debunking certain myths and things like that. Like one of the things he kind of, that I really enjoyed was this idea that, you know, this kind of myth you hear a lot of like, oh, the reason the Beatles heard all these great records was American soldiers and Liverpool being a dock town mm. and everything, but. You know, it was really just the Brian Epstein's record shop NEMS, you know, it was just hugely, hugely important. And, you know, I like all that kind of, that kind of detail. And I also think there's some lovely kind of personal interpretations like to do with Pete Best as well. Yeah. Um, which I thought would just worked really well. This idea that really what, what's, what made Ringo so special was this, idea that he could communicate with them in a, in a different way on a much more mm. kind of personal level 
And um, I think he makes a really good point about that, this idea that when you look at pictures of Pete Best, he's kind of not catching their eye yeah. in the way that you see Ringo doing. You know, and um, that's just all really nicely done, I think. Yeah, it's a fantastic couple of hours. It's really meticulously mm. done, as you would expect. And he really mm. is sort of unparalleled in that space. So I can't mm. recommend it highly enough that there are two shows this Saturday. And uh, if you are a Patreon, you're listening to this early, then you might be able to get the Friday one as well. But it mm. comes with the YOPB seal of approval. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, much coveted. Um, so we'll crack on with the show. Um, we'll be around at the end to tease who's going to be joining us next week. But welcome back. Thanks to everyone who continued to subscribe. Um, it's lovely to be back. And please enjoy this fabulous chat with the brilliant Sam Carter. So someone we've wanted to have on your own personal Beatles for an incredibly long time. Me and Robin, delighted as ever to have Sam Carter from Architects with us. Hello, Sam. Hello. I, Hello. I think the, I am the metal ambassador for the Beatles. <laughs> I think that should be my, that should be my, real, my real claim to fame. Well, that, that's why we got you in, obviously. <laughs> Card-carrying metal ambassador. Um, but yeah, uh, lovely to have you. I mean, I guess we can kind of start with that if mm. you want, because... Mm. You know, metal and the Beatles, not necessarily synonymous in lots yeah. of way, apart from the slightly sort of hackneyed thing of, um, you know, Helter Skelter and in inventing metal. Yeah. But growing up, I mean, your dad was a big Beatles fan, you are saying, yeah, and you, that was your sort of childhood stuff. So yeah. how, where do you, do you sort of make the swing into heavier stuff and how do, what part do the Beatles play in it? I, I, I obviously remember listening to them a lot as a kid. Like it was, it was constantly on in our house um and it was always like the beatles or zeppelin constant wings was a constant there wasn't mm. much i don't think there was much lennon solo stuff there was bits and pieces but the main ones my dad's absolutely mccartney through and through so there was a right. lot of a lot of that um but i think yeah from an early age hearing that all the time and actually being around uh bands essentially like seeing you know, four people playing their instruments was was a thing that made me be like, oh, I want to do that. I want mm. to to play drums. And then that's 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 where I started was playing drums. Oh, but um, I think actually, the Beatles again for me there was a time period where where I first started playing drums where I was obsessed with um, like all the punk bands that were coming out and I was listening to them and I wanted to play really fast and I wanted to play mm. really loud and you know I was just just. 13, 14. What kind of, what era is that? That through? sort of uh, Blink-182 self-titled era mm. of, the, of them. Uh, not self-titled, Emperor of the State. Mm. And just seeing, and again, someone playing drums and being like, I want to do that. I want to, yeah. I want to experiment with that. Um, but I think the Beatles have always been a constant in my life. But I would say, do you remember when, do you remember when the Beatles back catalogue came on Spotify mm. and it all went on and it was a really big deal that it had gone on. I remember we had a tour booked in and I was like, yes. I was like, I am just going to just, I'm just going to listen to this and I'm going front to back and I'm delving deep into this. I was listening to all these songs again and just word for word, drum beat for drum beat, everything was, was still in my head. But it yeah. was like, mm. every time I turned the page, I'd be like, wow, wow. And then listening to it with, with the ears of someone that, was was in a a band and recording and, and knew how things worked mm. more with like mm. you know with how things are recorded these days being absolutely stunned at their their vocals 
the yeah. the way that the effects that they were using, how they were creating the effects. I really delved into that sort of how they did stuff mm-hmm. then and being like, you created everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. You were like, you were the forefathers for everything. You've made everything happen. And uh, yeah, it, from there, really, it just, yeah, just carried on. I think that is a thing that happens when you were young or teenagers, you, the Beatles are a great band to get into at that age because mm-hmm. you can kind of dig through the whole catalogue and kind of get obsessed and nerdy about it. But metal is too. And mm. for me, that was kind of my experience as well because metal was such a great genre to get into if you are a musician because it's mm. technically hard, Yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, for me, that was my experience as well, really. It was, had a big metal phase... And it was kind of coinciding with a big Beatles face. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I guess it's like you're working out songs and you're working out music, working out like chords, but you're also, you know, working out how to shred as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think also like when you when you really look at it and think about it as well, it's like you don't have to take my word for it. Just look at Ozzy. Like yeah. every interview Ozzy does is yeah. like, I just started Black Sabbath because I wanted to sound like the Beatles. And yeah. we didn't sound like the Beatles in the end, but yeah. you know, he was he's so obsessed with them that like, you know. And like Helter Skelter helping him realise that you can be a loud yeah, band. Yeah. I think, yeah, I'm always like, well, if you don't think the Beatles invented metal, you're disagreeing with Ozzy and you can't <laughs> yeah. disagree with Ozzy. I love the Ozzy story that he was working in an abattoir. Yeah. And he used to go over to get to the pie shop. Yeah. And he rem- remembers they were playing Strawberry Fields there. Yeah. It's such a qu- quintessential metal yeah. kind of anecdote. And like, even like Lemmy was, Lemmy Motorhead yeah. was just such a massive Beatles yeah. head as well. And it's like, Mm. I think there is just something about that that you know I don't listen to metal all the time. Mm. You know I, I enjoy it if I if I hear it done well, and there's certain bands that I, that I think are are excellent. But for the most part, I, I just listen to the Beatles and, and Dylan and, and everything that right. you know I kind of grew up listening to. So I sort of gone full circle and then back down to like getting recommended records on you know spotify that came out in like 1972 and then going to my dad being like have you heard this <laughs> george harrison producing he's like yeah i bought it the first week it came out. <laughs> you know. wow yeah and that's funny because i had exactly the same thing really after getting into i guess you hit a sort of level of proficiency where you can kind of sort of you have a bit of a false sense of uh you know how good you are when you start learning instruments in your teens because yeah. you can you can play everything that's sort of laid down on a Beatles record. Yeah. And you think that's what it's all about. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then getting into metal is really attractive because it's that's where the most sort of virtuosic playing is and yeah. that sort of scratches all of those itches you have in your sort of adolescence and, like, you know, the grandeur of, the of you know, the, the great Metallica it's, solos and all of It's all almost like the moment you discover what feel is and mm. then you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. okay, so... The the drum beat on Ticket to Ride yeah. is maybe the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. But two years ago, I thought someone doing a blast beat at 200 BPM right. was the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. you go like, oh, it's not all about that. Like, that's great. But actually, he's just written a, a hook with mm. a really simple drum beat. Yeah. And you go like, that's the thing that struck me when I was going back and get, getting really deep into it was like listening to it as like a songwriter and somebody that, you know, writes music with every, with the rest of the band, just going like, <laughs> how? Yeah, you know, like yeah. how, if, how, you know, you listen to those first few records and the first few songs they got together and you're like, this is, this is insane. <laughs> and, the, yeah. and the level of, the level of the amount of music and the change, the consistent strive to be 
something else or move on to something. Mm. You know, I think the closest it was, and, and I would still say they're very different, is, you know, Rubber Soul Revolver, that sort of era where they're sort of blend, starting to bring in other elements from the sort of, from the mop top years and kind of going into the sort of more experimental stuff. Mm. But then after that, I mean, like, the Sergeant Pepper, and then it, even like the like going from like Abbey Road to Let It Be, like the difference between those two, it's like, what other band has done that? Mm, what other yeah. band that is, but it wasn't calculated. Yeah. It's not like, right, this is our look for this campaign, like yeah. which, which people do now. Like yeah. they will be like, this is your look for this campaign. This is how it's going to be. Like change all the artwork to do all this. It's like, that was just naturally what they were doing. Like, mm going to India and then coming back and wearing loads of paisley and like growing <laughs> mm. your hair out and like being full hippies to then, before you know it, again, coming out with the suits, but then having the like, the big like collar suits. And, uh, uh, mm. I just love it all. I love yeah. it. It's just, it's almost just like a brilliant look into the world at that time. Yes. And, mm. and, and it makes you, I mean, I just pine for being, Born in the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so, you can have all your sort of doors and uh, modern recording yeah. techniques. Yeah. I said to my nan the other day, she was, it was her, her, her wedding anniversary with my granddad, and I, uh, they said they went on their first date in 1963. And my reply was, my God, I wish I was alive in 1963. <laughs> yeah. I wish I was there for that. Yeah. That's a great point about Ticket to Ride, because well, that's the one that John Lennon said was like a the first metal song or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> but like that you wouldn't really think that in a way because it's so melodic. But yeah, it is all about feel. And it is strange that you kind of constantly as a kid you're kind of constantly looking for something that sounds kind of more extreme mm. than yeah. the the rest. But like yeah, I remember you know playing I want you she's so heavy to my yeah. dad and it was too heavy for him. And yeah, yeah. He, he bought the he bought the bloody thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it like it, it actually does stand up to It really know, does. It is a really heavy record. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was one of the things that I loved the most about um I can't remember which one it was on because they sort of, sort of some of them mix between the, um, mm. the you know the three vinyl records where you get to hear the quieter version and the yeah. louder version. Yeah. Hearing John sort of like talk about someone being outside the studio. Oh yeah, I love being that. like my boys are ready. Yeah. yeah. And you're like that person coming to complain. Yeah. Has no idea. Yeah. What the, are they doing? The cultural this time? importance. Yeah. yeah. What are they doing? <laughs> I love that. You do yeah. one heavy and one quiet. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That riff is is absolutely ginormous. I would I would. If any of the guitarists in my band brought that, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. absolutely, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But, I mean, that version of the as the Trident version with Billy Preston, we talked about it so many times. Yeah. That is the quintessential oh, sort the, of, the song key, of the The keys in that version are yeah. unbelievable. Uh, that, that's a great point as well about metal is this idea that, I mean, related to what you're saying about the Beatles, as metal is constantly progressing in a similar way to, like, I guess, like hip-hop is. Like, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. if you played you know, um, thrash metal to, to a kind of Sabbath fan in the 70s, they'd, yeah. they'd go, what the fuck? What you know, <laughs> you know yeah. so like each yeah. decade, it kind of gets more and more intense. And that's what's so attractive about the genre in a way is it's constantly evolving. Yeah, And like, you know, I think obviously that's, as you said, what's so appealing about the Beatles is that constant evolution, you know, yeah. mm. constantly trying to kind of better itself. Do you yeah. think that is because it's been allowed to sort of exist in its own sort of subculture, mm. that it's sort of, it's kind of untainted by the rest of what the industry is doing, I suppose, a little bit? Yeah, I still think it's, it's again, nowadays it still feels very clicky. 
you know, it feels mm. very like if you try and do something new within that genre, you're mm. very frowned upon for trying to do that. And people are very like, I guess in the terms of, in the way that people were like the Beatles, where they're like, they're mine, they're mm. my band, I love them, you know, don't change, I don't want you to change. And you start to do different things or you're inspired by different artists like, like they were and, and mm. the things they were doing. Like I always say, like I say consistently in interviews, where where we are now as musicians and how musicians are treated and reviewed and spoken about and everybody is entitled to their opinion i totally mm. get that but being having people's opinions constantly shoved at you yeah sergeant peppers wouldn't exist no mm. they the most important records of our time wouldn't exist because they were such brave bold jumps mm. and so brilliant yeah but the, there could be a young band now that is scared to make a big jump or scared yeah. to try something yeah. new because they're terrified of being slaughtered. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. we're on our, on our 10th record and it's, it doesn't affect us. I say we'll still do what we want to do and we will push and create and try and do yeah. things. But, but that's because we've got 10 albums under our belt. We're aware of like, okay, we it will, it'll be fine. It'll yeah, be yeah. fine. I thought that as well because, like, Arctic Monkeys have just oh my, released my their new album yeah. or announced their new album. Mm. And I was reading some of the comments, and people, loads of people were saying, like, as long as it's not like the last one, that tranquility. I love I love <laughs> That's amazing. And it was such it. a good left turn. Yeah. You know, I loved that. But album. that's so it. Funny. That was another thing where, where, again, when that happened, I was like, people aren't aware that you could just stunt something brilliant mm. because an artist is too scared to, to be yeah. themselves or, yeah. or, or be I mean, even like I was listening, you've just come here from doing an interview at Radio 1 that yeah. I was listening to and they played uh, Arctic Monkey's new single, which is called There Better Be a Mirror Ball or something. Yeah. It's really lovely. Yeah. And But it was, I thought it was quite interesting that the Radio 1 DJ read out like some com oh, comments gosh. that were like, it's not for me yeah. or like whatever. But it's yeah. like, I don't think, you know, 15 years ago you would have gone to the trouble of yeah. texting Radio 1 to be like, this is no, it. It's yeah. not even like a no. real adverse reaction. It's like, this is it. it's not for me. It's like, it's almost <laughs> who like, gives a shit? It's, yeah. almost like, it's almost like, and I think, you know, credit credit to her for, for actually reading it out because, mm. like, I, I think that's sort of where we're at. Like, mm. you can see them, like, looking through the comments and being like, mm. oh, oh, okay, oh, this God. is a nice one. This is a, yeah. this one because... Everybody is just like that now, and, and like I genuinely, I genuinely fear for for, for young bands. I'm I'm, mm. I'm worried for for them because yeah. it is a psychological battle mm. because you put your heart and soul into something that you think is brilliant because otherwise you wouldn't put it out there, and you you give everything you can mm. for somebody to write it off immediately and yeah. say I'm never listening to your band again. You've you've ruined it, and yeah, you're like man. it's my. But then you go, oh what oh that's such a shame, and then you go oh no. It's my band. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm in control here. What? what? Yeah. It's that great Neil Gaiman, because um, it was on um, his Facebook page, someone wrote a comment saying he didn't like this character in The Sandman or something. And, yeah. And uh, Neil Gaiman said, well, what we did was we cast some, we found out what you wouldn't like and we cast them based <laughs> yeah. on your own individual it's opinions. It's yeah. But that was just such a great response. But then I think, like, I, I'm really fascinated by the reaction to Paul McCartney in the 70s, particularly like um, oh, with the first McCartney album, Ram, brutal and brutal. Wildlife particularly. They were like really slammed and it really stung him. I think, yeah. You know, mm. like... <laughs> yeah, it's like the birth of indie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and people look back on it now and go, this, yeah. is, this is also another thing and this is the thing that I, that I, I do speak to our, our, our management. We've had the same management for 
years and, mm. and, it, and, it, and he's amazing and, and so supportive and it's just always fights our corner. Mm. He's like, if you, you have to be annoying people to know you're doing something right because otherwise <clears> you're just safe. Yeah. Like, and that's the perfect example. People will look back when another couple of bands try and do things mm. that you've done when they've got their head around the change and, and, the, and you know, when a few other bands have done records like McCartney was doing yeah. and they go, hang on a minute, he invented it. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, so that must mean that that it's brilliant because it was the first one that where they <laughs> yeah. were doing it. It's, mm. It is it is this thing. People do just hate change. They yeah. fight against it. And I think, and I think so, so much of, you know, when they were in that period that you were talking about where they're just making these unbelievable leaps, it's like... That is purely because of like supreme self-confidence. Yeah. And, um, and they just yeah. never, because they were so tight. Yeah. They were just making music for themselves and for each other. And they yeah. Didn't, and the reaction, the difference between how they responded to critics in the 70s when yeah. they were making their own solo stuff was so different because they obviously were so exposed, especially John. I've just finished reading um, John Lennon, 1980, Kevin mm. Womack book, where he's talking about Kenneth. the... Kenneth, that sounds what's great. Kevin, yeah. Kevin Yeah. It's a, it's a really brilliant book, actually. I've left it way too late to read it. Um but, you know, he was well absolute ball of neuroses yeah. about double fantasy. Oh, my. And, and he, he got even then, absolutely he got ruined as well. Yeah. And, I mean, some of the reviews are just so needlessly vicious. Mm, yeah. Mm. Well, music so, journalism, it's funny that because social media has probably replaced the role of music journalism, which mm. did used to be a lot more vicious. Music yeah. journalists are now, are, are for the most part, very kind. Yeah. When, other than when it comes to reviews, which is still down to an individual. Yeah person's opinion yeah. which is fine some people like it some people don't but for the whole when they're writing about your band they're, they're they it seems to me that they're trying to help mm. and do a positive piece because you know if you have an artist in that's having a good time and you and you have yeah. a good relationship the artist is going to help push what you've done and vice yeah. versa whereas i as you say the negativity now is is just it's just online mm. and i see it with every band 1975 mm. uh, as you say arctic monkeys Royal Blood, all mm. these bands that do something new or different, or not even different. I think just any band that releases new music, you go <laughs> in the comment section, it's like yeah. people trying to out nasty each other. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's 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 for like clicks, and yeah. it's it's it, you can't let your art be dictated by clicks. Mm. You yeah. have to just be like see things as a record and how things play out as a record, right for the time of what the album needs not what's going to go down well because otherwise you look back and be like why was I trying to please mm. you know Stephen that eats pot noodles and lives <laughs> in his mum's basement <laughs> I'm not going to ask him to come on an album and co-write Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to say do you know what actually I know you hated the last record <laughs> but can you that has never picked up a musical instrument ever in your entire life come and tell me how to finish this record off yeah. I'm not I'm going to go mm. to one of those other bands <laughs> who I respect. And yeah. I think the big thing is like never never accept criticism from someone you would never ask advice from. That's a and great, that is like, yeah. I try and jam that in my brain every mm. single day and it doesn't work. But yeah, I would right. wish it would just live there. Yeah. And you said that you don't read any sort of social media criticism, but I guess... Not anymore, yeah. Is going on tour quite cathartic then when you oh, don't know what the response to a record is? I, think, I imagine if you're doing a packed Ali Pali or something yeah. and everyone's singing along to every word. Then After you're the like, first quite song came out off the last record, off of For Those Who Wish To Exist, there was a song called Animals and it got absolutely slated. Like sl slated more than I've ever seen anything get slated. It's our biggest song ever. Mm. And we've been a band for however many years. It, it, at the time it was getting slated, it was doing like 
a hundred thousand streams every day for a year. It was just mm -hmm. going and going and going. And I was so affected by what people were saying that I was like, I just, I'm just, I think this, I wasn't seeing the numbers or how it was, it was going down. I was just seeing these horrible yeah. comments. Mm. And then we played, I, I didn't read any comments for the rest of the singles that, that came out after that. Um, and then we started playing shows and it is just by, by the longest shot, the biggest moment in the entire set, mm. which makes you go, the internet's not real life. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. ask you about so Kerrang did a thing two years ago of the 15 most metal Beatles songs did they yeah can you right. guess what the 15 might be not all of them but which ones are in there do you think you can get number one the 15 most the, the number one they must have done Helter Skelter yeah Helter Skelter's there I want you she's so heavy yeah uh yeah blues no mm. interesting really yeah, not yeah blues no wow that song to me is like that. I, that's one of the heaviest ones. Yeah, and London's really voice really shredding. Yeah, really shredding. Yeah, yeah. Um, metal beat. Is it going to be a sort of Little Richardy Paul? Yeah, there is an early one. Um, it's not Paul though. Shouty, shouty. Twisting and shouting. Twist, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> twist and shouting there. Yeah, nice mm -hmm. there. But some of them are quite surprising. Let me put it like that. Okay. Shall let's, I give you one? Let's hear a couple. Yeah, Eleanor Rigby. What? Yeah, I, I, do you know what? <laughs> I can kind of see that. I yeah. can kind of see that. Just in terms of like how dark it yeah. sounds. Relentlessly. Yeah. I always thought that I would like to do a cover of that. Yeah. I would really like to do that and just, just get rid of everybody else in the band. Yeah. <laughs> and for me to have an orchestra. I mean, the Probably so should have done it when we were at Abbey Road, really. <laughs> yeah. But, um, oh, yeah. we need to talk about that later. I can, but, yeah. kind, of, I can, kind, of, I can kind of see that one. Subject yeah. matter is pretty metal, I suppose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, you can imagine it with some sort of very chorusy, yeah. in a kind of psychedelic 80s metal, yeah. movie, I guess. Have you heard the cover of Ghost? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, Here Comes the Sun. No. Oh, that's really yeah, good. That's pretty good. It's sort of weird minor key vibe. Nice. Yeah. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun, and I say it's all right. Um, the other surprise, surprising one: Maxwell Silverhammer. Mm. Mm, I'm not seeing that yeah. subject matter. I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I'm kind of seeing that as a, that was. Peak McCartney just going, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna write about anything and just have some fun. Yeah. But just yeah. getting Mal in, being like, Mal, you're the only yeah. one that's listening to me. <laughs> yeah. So hit that hammer. Yeah. Love it. Birthday, I can see. Because I think birthday sounds it's quite riffy. Very proto yeah. Led Zepp at times. Yeah, yeah. I think. yeah. Hey Bulldog, is that in there? No. That should be in there. That should be. I mean mine. Not hearing that one. <laughs> Come on. Well, I mean, mood, I, think we, I think we can all agree that this article's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and I'm also just so offended that they didn't speak to me to get me. Yeah. <laughs> so, benefit of Mr. Kite. I mean, that. How is that a metal song? Okay. If they listen to can imagine Mr. Kite on Love, where Love goes at the end of it. It goes into that really trippy. Uh, oh, I want you. Yeah. She's so heavy. Where it blends into that. Yeah. yeah. That for me is peak. Yeah. Peak yeah, metal. Yeah. Yeah. You, I guess it's you could see like Mr. Bungle doing right. Yeah. Bit Mr. Kite or something. Yeah. 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 Carnivaly. Madness. They say the message of 
being for the benefit of Mr. Cut is simple. You're going to get stabbed by a clown. <laughs> right. so, That's exactly what John was thinking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, how do you uh, use the Beatles like as your songwriting? If we can go on to that kind yeah. of like in terms of because you're you're a very melodic band. Yeah. Like how 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 does it inform songwriting? And particularly of, songwriting and creating metal songs. There's a lot of things really that that there always seems to be something that we do which is influenced by them. I'm the only one that's a real big Beatles night in the band and mm. the rest of them are obviously aware of their cultural significance and, and mm. listen to them to a certain degree. Um, but yeah, there's always something that I manage to be like, we should do something like this or mm. we should do this. I think, I think I'm trying to remember on the last record there was a song that Josh composed the strings and was like, I really wanted this to sound like George Martin had arranged the strings. Mm. And it really does when you listen to it now. I think I think it was Libertine. Mm -hmm. I think it was Libertine. I'll have to check. Mm -hmm. It was the last record, so I'm, I'm a little bit hazy on it. Um, <laughs> or it was either that or Demigod, one of the two. But when you listen to it, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. what it is. I remember Josh being like, I wanted to sound like a drunk George Martin, just <laughs> really slow, the yeah. bends on it. Um, things like the way that we finished the last record, we finished the last record with a lock groove, mm. so that it was just my last line over some feedback, just going and going and going and going, right. which was like the end of uh, Sergeant Pepper's. Yeah. Um, so is it sometimes not just the melodic thing, but then it's production Yeah, ideas just the way they well. do things, mm. even down to like the, the, new, the new record, the artwork is very, very simple. It's just a, a white cover with our logo nice. and the title of the record. None, and, none more white. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, we were we were discussing the record because our last the record before is a really like it's a photograph. It's very moving. It was a, of an astronaut in a church mm. and the the sun uh, hitting him as he stood in the middle of this church. And it, it felt like when we were coming up with ideas for this new record, it was like everything we were doing was just trying to be like that last record. Mm -hmm. And I remember that uh, conversation that I or had, had over, not overheard, had read where they were talking to uh, Brian Epstein about one of their records. And he was like, this record's so good, you could just put it in a brown paper bag. Mm -hmm. Like, don't worry about the artwork. And I think that was for Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and I remember being like, well, let's just do it really simple. Let's just take it right back. Obviously, reference to the White Album is, you know, mm. as how cool it looks with it just being completely clear. And yeah, that's what we just went for on the, from the whole thing now. It's mm. just a real clear, clean vibe. Mm. Just inspired by them. The way we finished the record on this record, it's not out yet, so I won't, I won't say it, but it's very, very Beatles in the way that it ends. But oh, nice. it, even in terms of like, you know, how we would finish especially when we had the strings we really the strings on Beatles songs are so underrated yeah, mm. yeah, yeah so yeah, underrated yeah. and uh, definitely the way that we would approach it mm. and the melodies the melodies as well I mean like if you're listening to the Beatles 24-7 which is basically what I do mm. <laughs> you can't help but be inspired by the, the tones and the deliveries especially when you're more leaning into the melodic world it's kind of where we find ourselves as a metal band now when you have those breaks in your voice like Lennon does, and mm. you know, mm. yeah, especially like like yeah blues, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And anyone who's listened to your stuff will know you got pretty 
unbelievable set of pipes and you can kind of do it all <laughs> try it yeah but just try and that's try and make my life really difficult yeah <laughs> it's interesting you reference john as an influence because i would have thought paul is uh you know no one can scream quite like quite like paul yeah i think um, both of them i think especially like the later uh especially when john started coming out with you know some of his really heavier songs mm. you know like uh mother, mother and yeah. it's the end of that it's like yeah that's a, that's a hell of a vocal delivery. Yeah, you seen that live video of him singing that? No, it's just yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I immediately, I'm like, I want to see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his his vocals for his screams are just so raw. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love it so much. It's a probably a bit of a crass distinction to make, but like, I feel like Lennon's is more about this kind of expression yeah. of something Pain. very truthful and painful. I think that's the thing. Anytime he's doing it, it's like over something that's painful and you can kind yeah. of hear it, you know, I think especially when, when him and Yoko got into the... Um, What's it called? There's primal primal, primal screaming. screaming. Yeah. Mm. Well, you can but, tell he sort of takes that into the studio. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You cannot doubt anything he says, especially in that record in particular, because yeah. it's so sort of straight yeah. from the gut. But you that believe is every really single. heavy metal. The way oh, that yeah, that song yeah. starts as well with the like the church bells. Is it his mother that starts with the church bells? Mm. Yeah. Dong. I remember I had it on. Um, I just I'd gone out, and it was the last thing I played on my Sonos mm. in my in my house, and something that my fiance must have said mm. or a noise that my dog had made or something as she was getting ready for bed that church bell just started <laughs> and she texted me being like what is this i'm like it's john lennon it's fine <laughs> we're not haunted everything's okay wow yeah, yeah. Mm. what's the track on that is it well 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 yes mm. that his voice on well, that well, well. Fucking insane yeah, yeah. absolutely really goes into that sort of jam at the end doesn't yeah, it so yeah good. the screams on that are unbelievable but i was thinking like compare that to, to mccartney it's not like it's more it's still like honest but maybe it's more kind of mccartney's almost sounds more like his top note yeah you know, like mm. especially around the sort of 70s do you know road of, all night that, yeah yeah that's mm. like it's the amazing thing about that is it's this jam and his his voice is always in tune yeah mm. he's like screaming he's incapable and screaming of singing tune. you just never hear it it's yeah like, like, why isn't his voice getting fucked after like eight minutes it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah. you, like even in um, like Old Darling as well mm. like you can really hear him going for it that's what's great about it as well is because obviously I'm influenced by that but I like mm. when I scream there's a lot of the times where I will like pitch the scream mm. so you, you find the melody through it which I guess is quite Paul, mm. yeah. and then there's other elements of it where it's a bit more like raw and aggressive, which yeah. is very John. Yeah, yeah, God. yeah. Because yeah. Paul's sort of Little Richard thing. I mean, like in the mid '70s, a lot of it is to do with, I guess, like match fitness. Yeah, because mm. he there's that interesting take that's on the anthology of him doing "Oh Darling," and it's obviously them trying to work out the arrangement. Yeah, right. and he's not quite going for it. Mm. Yeah, and it sounds quite weird. He sounds it's that sort of weird kind of Nashville skyline Bob Dylan quality. <laughs> there was a thing yeah. where he kept going he kept going in to rehearse it before they recorded it, I think, because he there was a thing that I remember reading about how he was struggling to get his voice to sound 
like it did in the clubs in Hamburg. Yeah, mm. yeah. And he was like, I really want it to, you know, just be raw and hit those notes. But you could, you, it, on that take in particular, you can hear him being like overthinking it. Mm. It's almost like as soon as I ever start to overthink what I'm doing vocally, my voice just shuts down. It right. just tightens up and it's not, you're not able to do your job because you're just sat there like, wow, not loose. Mm. Um, whereas he obviously must have had that for some yeah. part. I mean, the, the Wings Over America live yeah. album, Staggering where his brilliant. voice is just insane. It's, it's brilliant. It's because he's doing it every night. Yeah. But it sort of cracks in exactly, exactly. the right place. I like always the say that's my, unbelievable. Like, that's the peak McCartney yeah. vocal sound. Yeah. And the, the footage of him playing uh, like rock show and stuff around that, that era is mm. just flawless. Where mm. he's just got the, the big uh, Rickenbacker. Yeah, yeah. Just like, oh man, he, that's... He's so cool at that point with the yeah. mullet. Yeah. Ah, yeah Sequined Michael Jackson. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Waistcoat yes. thing. I remember reading the interview with Frank Black from the Pixies where he sort of like, he realised he had to look after his voice. So when he's like really going for it, he knows there's this level of restraint as well. Yeah. Do you have that where it's like, you, you kind of, there's part of it that's show and part of it that's like full on. Full, full on I, do, I just wish I did. Oh, really? I I did. <laughs> there's a certain point, you know, if, if, if I'm unwell or we're at a certain point into a tour, I sort of know where I can and can't let loose more. Mm. You know, if I know that we're like four days in, I've got a day off tomorrow, maybe on the third show, I probably won't go as hard as I will on the fourth show because I know that I've got a day off where I can sort of rest it up properly. Wow. But it is a thing where it's like, well, it's not, I mean, not, it's not put on, you know. Yeah, no, of course. I no. guess there is a certain art to how hard you push it. Yeah. And there are definitely no ways of like how I could really ruin my voice. Yeah. Mm. But I think, yeah, through the years of, of experience of like learning when and when to not push it is great. Yeah. I always think the best thing about, about touring for that amount of time is you know your way around blagging it. Yeah, really. Yeah, like, <laughs> there's like there's always something in my voice that isn't 100% there. Right. And every night it'll be different because yeah, yeah. you're something, you're like, you know, you've slept funny the night before. So maybe you're not hitting mm. a certain note as easy as you want to. So you sort of use a different way of getting up there. Or yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, that's pure match fitness that goes if you're off tour for a while. You have to sort yeah. of rebuild mm. that, like, okay, right. So that kind of note I'm really struggling with tonight. So maybe I'll like falsetto that or I'll just push harder and just get a scream there instead of hitting that top note. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever lost your voice? <laughs> Never. Really? Touch wood. Yeah, yeah wow. we've never wow. had to pull a show because of, uh, of losing my voice. That's yeah. extraordinary in however many years, 15 years ago. Yeah. 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 I had a big meltdown uh, at the last, the, maybe the second to last European tour we did. We did like eight shows in a row and we were wow. doing 20 songs a night. Bloody hell. And it, I remember being in Poland and, and being on the eighth show, warming up and being like, this never happens again. <laughs> this yeah. never, ever happens again because I was like, I'm just, I just feel 
it's too much pressure. I feel like I'm going to let people down and, yeah. and, I, and I'm going to let myself down. And then after that, yeah, we do like a four shows and four shows day off, three yeah. shows day off sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, you don't end up like George on his uh, 1974 tour or whatever it was. Where <laughs> yeah. He's just absolutely shot. Yeah. Still sounds quite cool though, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> mm. oh, there's a really good video of him doing a warm up as well where he talks about apple cider vinegar and, um, and honey. And, oh, really? and ginger, and that's, yeah. the, that's exactly the same thing that I do when I when I have it. Oh, really? And I think uh, Liam Gallagher does the same thing. And I yeah, a video of him being like, "It's apparently a coat's what you don't have," <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, "And I don't have much." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned. Recording in Abbey Road. What was that like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've had the pleasure of two, three, f being there four times. Cool. Which And you've done a live. We did a live album live there, album. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. We did a, we first did we first did a session there for Spotify mm -hmm. and this was a few years back when we released our record Holy Hell. And they we have just never been big on doing sessions or we weren't at that point. I just didn't feel very confident in doing it. I never felt like we sounded mm -hmm. as good as we did on record and just all in all was just quite nervous. Mm. But the people from Spotify, especially the person that was in the UK, knew how big a fan I was oh, of the Beatles yeah. and just reached out and was like, we're thinking about, you know, they do, they do like the Spotify singles around the world. Mm. Mm. And they reached out and were like, Studio Two, Beatles Room. Yeah, you don't say no to that. Do you want to come and do a session? <laughs> yeah. It was like, 100%, see you whenever. I'm there. <laughs> I'm, out. I'm, I'm camping outside now. Mm. Um, and that was, that walking in there for the first time was absolutely staggering. Mm. Like it completely, it completely moved me more than, I would say uh, that was probably one of the highlights of, of being in a band. Mm -hmm. I never thought I would be in, in that room. I yeah. never thought I would see that room the way it yeah. still looks. And, and for it to deliver on, on all of, just you know. Everything you want. And we went in there and we had an orchestra. The first time I was in Abbey Road, we had an orchestra wow. playing with us. And it was like, uh, I, I, I can't begin. It's awful for a podcast. <laughs> I cannot begin to describe how much it meant to be in that room. I mean, yeah. like, we did a studio tour last year. We went there. And just walking down those steps, it was just like the feeling was almost one of nostalgia. Yeah, mm. yeah. For like not because I'd been there before, but just because of you kind of associated it with. But so it's, much it stuff. looks so similar to how it how it did. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is down to the fact that they they aren't legally allowed to change it because it's like mm. a place of cultural significance. Yeah. Mm. So all the walls are the same. The lights, the fire escapes, everything's the same. Mm. So it is like going back in time, yeah. and you're like. I remember before the Spotify single, before that we did a song called Death Is Not Defeat with mm. the orchestra and we uh, Dan had composed this orchestral part before it kicked in. So we was just standing there listening to an orchestra play this part of our music that had been composed. And I was just looking at the wall just thinking like, every single one of my favourite songs has, has come off that wall. Mm. Someone has sang, those songs have been sang in that room and now I'm in here with my little band. Yeah. Like, 
I'm in Abbey Road. And, and then you're like, yeah. okay, I've got to remember the lyrics. Uh, yeah. And, then, yeah. <laughs> and you go in and you're like terrified. But yeah, that was, that's the main thing that I think of every time I'm there. I'm like, everything that's important in music has happened in this room. Mm. Yeah. Did they give you um, sort of free reign of like mic choice? Did you use all your unusual gear? We used all our, our usual stuff, yeah. yeah. I could not have the, the breaking of any of those <laughs> yeah. mics on, on me. But they used mm. the same, you know, like the way that they would block stuff off the, what they called the... Partition. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were all there and they were, you know, you've set, I've seen photos of, of the boys with, with them and mm. you just think like, wow. You know, standing on the stairs and looking up at the stairs and standing in that control room and looking over the room yeah. mm. while it's getting set up and just being like, this yeah. is mad. And it's mm. hard to not sound trite, but it is like a sort of religious experience. Well, the thing for me as well is I'd never, I'd never been to Abbey Road. Mm. I'd never stood outside it. I'd never done the crossing. Right. Mm. It, for me, it was like just, it was too much to even <laughs> just go, like, I don't want to go, I, you know, Googled like, can you do a tour? And, and it mm. was like, no, you can't do a tour. You can't go inside at, at this, at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then to be there to like see the, see the road, to see the door, to sit on the steps, to have the photos, to, you know, we, I, the first time we were there, I sat on the piano that played Lady Madonna. I played on that piano yeah. mm. and I put a beer on top of that <laughs> piano. It's my, it's my display picture on, on, um, on WhatsApp. Yeah. It's me sat on that, on that piano with, with a Corona sat on top of the piano and somebody walking in from Spotify saying, I wouldn't do that for you. <laughs> and me being like, what am I thinking? Like, of course yeah. not. Yeah. But yeah, all the, all the stuff that's there. And I remember speaking to them about it and how, um, McCartney had like literally blank checked them for that piano and been like, mm. I need this piano. Like, what is it going to cost? And then being like, you've taken everything. Like, <laughs> no, this is our, this is our, this is our piece. So mm. yeah, they let us look around and we went in the echo chamber, which was yeah. like a thing that I was really yeah, excited about. I think they sort of let us go everywhere other than the roof, but right. I was desperate for the roof. Mm. But yeah, then after that we did a Amazon single in mm. there, which was great. And then we did we did like a behind the album, like Q and A with uh, our friend Daniel Picarta, who is on the Radio One Rock Show, mm -hmm. and he's he's a massive Beatles fan as well. He's always been like, you know, we always nerd out together, and, mm. and for him to come and do the Q and A in the middle of COVID was amazing because mm. we just sat in the room and they set it up, and there was there was the Beatles piano. It was an empty room, and we sat there and did a Q and A, and that was where we we had done a live stream at the Royal Albert Hall. And we were, I remember speaking to Dan, drummer Dan, and us discussing the possibility of doing another live stream because we couldn't tour at that point in mm. time because it was in the middle of COVID. Mm -hmm. I just remember saying to him, like, wouldn't it be cool if we just did the whole album in the big room? Like, we went over to Studio One, mm. right? And fully orchestrated everything and had, yeah. you know, you name it, it's in there. And he was like, that sounds amazing, but that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> and then I think by the end of the Q&A, he was like, let's do it. So yeah, that, that was staggering. Wow. Yeah. That was just like, for me to have the evidence of that my band was mm. in that room yeah. and played in that room and it's printed and it says architects, for those of us who resist, at Abbey Road. Yeah. I'm mm. like, job's done. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I've, uh, life's done. Completed it. Yeah. I, I, and for me, it was almost like I don't care how it sells. I don't care what happens to it. It just happened, and I have proof that I can one day turn around to someone and be like, "I did this." Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it was just 
just staggering. Yeah. How did you? Is your your dad still with us? Yes. Yeah. 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 Was, Absolutely. As massive. a massive Beatles fan, was he quite? He was. About that? Do you know what the problem is? Was he was so close to coming to to uh, to the last one that we did because every other time we've been in there, it's been like strict to the amount mm. of people that can come. But it was right in the sort of early stages of things opening up from COVID, so he was still he was still a little bit nervous about mm. coming to it, and we were also only allowed like. 50 people and I think the orchestra took up like 40 mm. yeah. so it was like if you want to come we can I can make this work and he was just still like no I'm, I don't feel safe enough being there so I'm like oh. so I've got to do it again have I <laughs> have to get you in there again oh, well. yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll do it wow that's so cool did you notice much of listening to your own music back in studio two and studio one is there a big sonic difference it's so much bigger yeah so much more grandiose in in the other in the studio one it's such a big mm. room mm. um that i think you know we spent a lot of time to try and not make it sound as as big as as yeah. big as it was um but yeah studio two is a lot tighter mm. the space mm. itself is a lot smaller than, than studio one like studio one's like very cinematic mm. uh, yeah. place but yeah again just just being in there and just being like cool shot the day in the life video in here and mm -hmm. all you need is love was in here like all the string arrangements were in here and you just mm -hmm. you know you know you know the room before you're in there and people start telling you it and you're like uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh i know yeah. i've become so obsessed is probably the wrong word but i've been thinking so much about day in the life recently it's genius yeah it is <laughs> yeah because like, there's a very good podcast called weird studies which is a kind of podcast about kind of all kinds of strange corners of literature and music and philosophy and things. And they did one episode about Sergeant Pepper. Mm -hmm. And I had such an interesting chat about Day in the Life. And, which is, and it's made me think of this thing which they talk about. What do you think the relationship is between John's verses and Paul's verses? Paul's verse or bridge? Yeah. Like what? What bridge that comes at the end of the song? Yeah, <laughs> the bridge is. What? What? What is? What is the relationship between the speakers? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I my theory is not much. Well, yeah, like I think that they he had a John had written this thing. He's like, oh, it needs a bit that goes in here. Yes. and he was like, I've got this. Yeah. Well, that's clearly yes. the answer. Yeah, but the song exists and the song means something. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean? Does does Paul wake up? Was the uh, John's verses a dream, um, or is Paul the dream? I think you may be reading into it. I, I don't that. think I am. <laughs> I, I don't that. think I am. Yeah, yeah. I've never thought about it before. Though. But I but love they, the they I love the line, uh, the line that it obviously finishes the verse. So he talks spoke. about going into a dream. Yeah. Mm. Ah, all yeah. of a sudden, you're in, in Lennon's sort of dream. Yes. Yeah. Or is it Paul? Yeah, yeah. Mm. That bit. But. I, t I think it's interesting because we know the song so well, but it was just one of those conversations where I thought, oh, yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah. The two bits don't... What is the relationship? Very, very famously two people's different parts of the song, wasn't it? Then yeah. It just put mm. them together and, and, yeah. and made it work. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how, in terms of, like, was that the last proper collaborative almost moment, really? Because they must have started dwindling the mm. amount of time they were spending together writing at that point sort of obviously they had a lot of moments on that record but yeah. you wonder like 
you've both composed this separately, you're bringing it together and you're making it work. I suppose I I've think got I've a, got a feeling, feeling isn't it? Yeah. It's another similar one where yeah, they yeah, have yeah. two songs. It doesn't quite, ha- quite have the power of day in the life. No, in my <laughs> yeah. view, it doesn't. But uh, um, I love that f- the, f- the shot in, um, in Let It Be where they start. Obviously, Paul wants to have a serious chat with him. Yeah. Where he's like, how many have you written? Yeah, I love and that. And they start joking and they're yeah. messing around and you can still see that Paul's a bit like, come on, man, come <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> that's a proper Mm. yeah I love that sort of dynamic you can kind of see Paul's a little bit scared of him a bit why am I doing all the work yeah Yeah. Yeah. and they realise the microphone yeah and they start playing (laughs) around yeah it's so funny one of the questions you asked us for our Christmas one kindly was about the um, sort of candid conversation oh yeah the sort of plant pot microphone yeah Mm. so I was wondering what your thoughts about that would be or if that happened to you, you know, if you got surreptitiously recorded yeah. the making of something. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, especially at the moment of the crisis that they were in. Mm. It was, the, you know, the, the discussing their behaviour sort of around George. Festering wound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just for, if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, there's a bit in the Get Back film where um, there is a, a microphone that Michael Lindsay Hogg has sort of clandestinely put in a plant pot and they uh, secretly record this sort of crisis Muffled moment. chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of beautifully portrayed with all these um, yeah. captions and stuff. But it's a, it's a really weird conversation itself yeah. because it's sort of, they know each other so well that they all, it almost doesn't make sense. If you read a transcript of it, yeah. you, it, yeah. it would be nonsensical. There's a bit of private language. It was but, um, fully yeah. edge of the seat moment mm. where you're like, what? Like, you know, when you're watching it, you're like, what? I have no idea that this this was going to be here, like this mm. moment. I think if there was ever a conversation that I had had that was that culturally significant, <laughs> I would be okay with it. Yeah. Mm. But I think, yeah, I mean, it's uncomfortable for sure. Mm. But mm. very important, I guess, to the to the to the story of that album. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I guess there's nothing that nasty really said in it you know there's no so like, the opposite is like they show unbelievable emotional maturity exactly yeah. 27 yeah. year old kids yeah where you're like you're not there's no name sort of name calling there's not there's not it's not an attack mm. on George mm. yeah it's it's yeah it's really interesting but it was one thing where I was like well, I wonder if what Paul's thoughts were on it you know because yeah. he would have had to have signed off on yeah. on it I imagine mm. or the edit mm. with it in it mm. um, I guess he's now sort of got the clarity to remove himself Enough to be like, yeah, this is yeah, important, this is important not to show. Yeah, yeah. but um, you, well, saying you're the only sort of Beatles nut in the band, did the rest of the band watch Get Back? Yes, mm. yes, yeah. um, and I think that's actually one of the things that made them sort of. I don't know if they've all watched Get Back. I know Ali has, I know Dan has started, but I think the rooftop performance is the main thing that got everyone in. Do you remember they did they did the hour performance? Yeah, I remember yeah. Ali went to go and see that in the cinema, mm. and I saw mm. it twice in the cinema. Oh, amazing. Two or th- maybe I saw it three times. I don't. I don't like to fully fess up to these. <laughs> I saw it. I definitely saw it. I saw it once in um, what's it called? Where it's massive. IMAX. Yes. Yeah. And I saw it once in IMAX. There was one day where it was in IMAX in like Crawley near me, and I, I got mm. the train over to watch it. And, I, and I'm so glad I did mm. because when yeah. I, when I saw it not in IMAX, it was it was obviously still amazing, but yeah. actually being like the sound more than anything just yeah. how loud they had it in the IMAX and how clear yeah, you yeah. could hear everything was just was just brilliant and then you yeah, saw the sorry sorry in the normal cinema as well did did watching get back change anything 
that you felt or thought about the Beatles, or did it kind of? It really made it. I cried a lot mm. through watch when I was watching it because I, I just think, like so many people, I just thought that they hated each other at the end, mm. and I just thought listening to the records, I was like, well, you're obviously brilliant musicians, but you're not mates anymore. Yeah, clearly not mates anymore. And and, and I'd obviously I'd already seen the the original version mm. of Let It Be because my dad owned it and. And I remember wow. finding like a dodgy stream of it yeah. and, and mm. being like... He owned the VHS. I think so, yeah. 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 When I was a kid, we had he had all of it. Yeah. So yeah, I remember being like, this is bleak. Yeah. And watching <laughs> it and being like, this is just, this is just too, it's exhausting actually when you're watching mm. it. You're like, mm. the edit is long. It's like, it's just sad. It's all this, mm. the dancing and all the fun taken out of it. I think for me, what I loved the most was the, the moment they went into Apple and just... Mm. You could see they were, you know, there were obviously parts where they were where they were really cross with each other, but mm. that part where they start jamming and you're just yeah. yeah as soon as the music clicks, everything yeah. else falls out. The yes, falls to the wayside, really, doesn't it? Yeah, and I just love the the idea of just getting Billy Preston in. Yeah. just the moment that he starts playing, yeah, them just turning around and being like, <laughs> yeah, that's such a great. That's moment. it. That's it. Yeah. And you just see the joy in Billy's face and uh, and like yeah. Yeah. I, I loved that so much. I, I, I think the thing is that, you know, I laughed a lot. Yes. Yeah. So, mm. I mean, John in particular. Was Hilarious. Was so funny. Hilarious. But I think with the bit where Glyn Johns says to John Lennon, can you just turn the bass down on a guitar? And John Lennon just looks like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, who does he think does he it? is? Like, <laughs> it sounds rubbish. Yeah, like, who, who, does think, yeah. <laughs> who do you think? But it's just, he's so funny in it. He's so funny. I love the, um, I love Paul. Where, where he gets interrupted and he's like, we're stars, you know. Yeah. We're yeah, stars. Yeah. I just love that moment where you're, oh, just comes like, you're really aware that you're, yeah, you, you may be saying this sarcastically, but you yeah. fucking are. Mm. And yeah, and the, just the, the people on the street as well yeah, when, they're on, yeah. when they're on the roof. Yeah. And, you know, where they start talking to the girls the girls and they're like yeah they're right you know yeah like, we've seen them around the clubs <laughs> yeah. that's, like, what, that's a great thing in the john higgs books where he talks about well that's the kind of most amazing bit about get back which is that when they when they go to the streets you suddenly realize it's in the past yeah and i think that's one of the things where like michael Lindsay hogg sort of you know got a bit of stick on social media about it because people just seem to forget what you know he's very much of his time yeah yeah it was 50 years ago it was 50 yeah. years yeah. ago yeah. and like yeah. i don't even you know i i think he's brilliant in that in um get back and you know he's trying to do the best of quite a difficult job yeah but mm. like also like some of the things he says and attitudes you know maybe have dated a bit but like you know you, you're just so swept away with the fact that the beatles seem like they've just literally walked in off the street yeah. like in yeah. 2022 yeah you sort of forget that you know, it was ninety. I also think as well, like thinking about it, obviously Ringo had the, the film that he was shooting mm. after. Mm. I'm amazed that at no point in that film, if it was me yeah, and we were working towards a deadline, <laughs> I would be like, you are moving that. Yeah. We are the we are the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We are writing a very important record. Yeah. I do not care about your film. Yeah. And your film can wait. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, well, we've got to get it done for then. It's like just shows they were all yeah. so important to keeping that going. And there obviously must have been an enormous amount of respect for mm. each other and mm. what they were bringing. Because, yeah if, if, yeah, if that was me, the boys would be like, absolutely no way you're going to go and do a film. Like, <laughs> we're finishing the album and then you can go and do it yeah. when we're all not busy. You know? yeah. like, They're literally filming it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I guess that's um, you know, testament to how sort of 
delicate the situation was. It maybe, must have been eggshells. Yeah. Must have been eggshells. The moment, the moment that really got me was the the long shot on Paul mm. when he's like, and then there was two. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, and it yeah. just you just see him just his mouth going, yeah. and you're like, that was the moment when he realised, even though they they obviously do finish the record and they do another record after it. Mm. That was the moment I think, looking at it, where he's like, "This is this is gonna finish soon," yeah. or like, "This doesn't last forever." Mm. You know that that moment of him being like, "Cool, it's fully done now. Like it's yeah. it's gonna be fully done." Mm. Um, and I, do you know what I also really like? I really like how it really set straight that it wasn't Yoko's fault. Mm. Mm. It's a big thing that I was just through growing up and, and always hearing that the band split up because of Yoko and, 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 and just the blame that was just consistently put on her. It's just John. Mm. It's yeah. not Yoko's fault. It's like John was distracted, wanted to try other things. Mm. If it wasn't Yoko, it would have been somebody else. Yeah. And, mm. I, and, and I think actually, also when you, when you read up and you hear about how she, she had a miscarriage mm. the week before they started mm. tracking, yeah. And John was like, I'm not going to leave your side. I'm going to stay here. And she was like, no, you need to go and do this record. I'll come with you. Yeah. Unbelievable. And that is just not talked about in history. No. Like that, the fact that the reason he's there is because she's said, I'll, I'll go with you. And like, yeah. that's just a testament of like real love, you know? Mm. Yeah. I, have, you, have you read um, the Peter Doggett book, You Only Give Me Your Money? No. It's so good. I mean, like, I'm just finishing off now, but like, it's just, it's what it is, is a great way of like, if anyone ever asks you why the Beatles split up, you should just say, well, read the first 150 pages of this. Because <laughs> yeah. it's very, what he does is, it, there are so many things going on. Yeah. And it's all to do with character and temperament and... Managers. Yeah, and like, yeah, management and... That's a, that's one thing from, from Get Back as well, where they start talking about the and new I, manager. Yeah. And you're, it's almost like, it's almost like Inception. Yeah. Where you're like... No! Yeah. yeah. No! <laughs> Don't do it! Yeah. 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 Brilliant guy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely like, amazing. He looks after the stones and you're like, leave it! Yeah. <laughs> but um, I love the bit in the. So, you know, just after. Um, well, Jane Asher discovered Paul in bed with Francie Schwartz. Mm. It's an American kind of. I think she's a scriptwriter. And um, he had a kind of brief affair with her. And so when John. <laughs> brought Yoko into the studio for the White Album, Paul started bringing her in. And it was so like, you know, in the office mm. when David Brent turns off in that brown leather jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like exactly yeah. that kind of thing. Like, yeah. just this Bleeding kind of... Bleeding in. Yeah. But like, <laughs> what's amazing about that book and what you can see and get back is Paul's temperament and Paul's kind of... Well, I think he was like having a breakdown. Yeah. Certainly. In, he was trying like, so hard. Yeah. And really, you see... But that record happened because of him. They yeah. would have, they would have just completely disbanded. I think. Yeah. Had yeah. it not been like, come on, mm. come on. Ringo obviously still being like, you know, one of the first ones in the studio every day. But yeah. mm. I think also like seeing. I think you, you're hearing it as well with with George is talking about how he's gone off and done a session with Dylan and, mm. and 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 talked about how good the vibe was and how creative it was, and then mm. him sort of coming back and being like this is a toxic working yeah. <laughs> relationship that mm. I'm in and this is not how it was when I was over in, in America doing this record and mm. it should be more like this, you know. Mm. You yeah. start seeing them kind of going like, oh, oh I'm not sure, but maybe I could do it myself, mm. you know, mm. you, those those moments. 
And it sounds like the White Album was probably as fractious an yeah. experience in making, yes. but it's just less well documented. So, yeah. 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 you know, there's not as much mythology around it. And mm. I the, just, the record's I, better, so people... I just wish there was some more footage around the the Revolver era, the yeah. Rubber yeah. Soul era, the, 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 you know, the Studio 2 era. Mm. I just yeah. wish more than anything there was more video footage of, yeah. of them around It was an- announced this week that we are getting the Giles Martin sort of super deluxe version of the Revolver He was in sessions. He was in Abbey Road when we were there the really? second or third time and nice. I was w- just too nervous to talk to him. Oh really? I walked wow. past him and we had interacted on on, um, on Twitter a few times. Really? And I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it to mm. him. He was just having his dinner and I was like... So do you think he was working on he Let, must Let It Be then? And maybe yeah. if I had said something at that point, I maybe would have got a, a sneak peek and I'll, and I'll take <laughs> yeah. that to my grave. Yeah. <laughs> do you want oh. to re-record some of John's notes? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit scratchy, this bit. Yeah. Yeah. Can you track it? Yeah, I can't wait for that. That I, mm. I mean, every time they bring out a box set, I'm like, yep. Yeah. But yeah. just, you know, I'm like, I, 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 love, I love the outtakes. I love it so much. I yeah. mean, I love hearing hearing what Giles does because I think he does it in such a delicate way and, and he's so he's so good with it. Yeah, there's I a lot do, of care and it. you, you feel like it's in the right hands. I do know that so, they did try a super modern mix of something. I can't remember the song. One of my friends worked at, at, at a label and I, I'm not going to chuck him under the bridge. <laughs> but I do know that they, they did try like a super modern, modern mix of one of the songs mm. and, and mm. The, the Beatles were like... No, mm. and by say the Beatles, I mean John and not John, uh, John's estate and George's mm. estate, and, yeah. and uh, the other guys were like, absolutely not. That's not that the other two aren't here to to vouch for that, so we're not doing that. But but everything yeah. is purely done by their their estates. It would be nice to hear a version of the anthology songs, you know, "Free as a Bird" and um, "Real Love" done now. Yes, yeah, the, yes. with that same kind of sensitivity. Because well, yes, that's what I, think I of listened it. to them the other day, and they're basically unlistenable. No, I like. Them. I really, no, <laughs> I can't deal with how linny, linny they are. <laughs> it's a, they sound like they're made in, you know, well, it's the in other, 1995. The, it's yeah. the other song that they that, that John had done. Then was it now and then? Mm. Now and then. Mm. It's just him on the piano. Yeah, that is just an unbelievable song. That yeah. to me is like. I wish that there was a cleaned up version of, mm. of, of actually hearing that proper demo. Mm. I heard somebody, had, someone made a mix of it that sounded like Free as a Bird and the, the mm. other versions. And for a while I was like, is this, is this, did this just not make it? And then I was like, I don't know, someone's just made it at home. Like, yeah. this is, there's a reason why this song is going on loop for five minutes and it's the same <laughs> bit. I do think with the Revolver thing, that it's, it's the first time with the Giles Martin remixes where he do, he has to isolate individual instruments from a track yeah yeah so I, I do wonder about that and the kind of almost the value of doing that yeah and how mm. how we do it because yeah. I, I think like what you were saying about free as a bird is it sounds very 90s i think i think it's very hard to make a recording or a mix that doesn't sound of its time i think yeah, yeah. actually the one i like the most is the white album yeah because it's the I d- most I, subtle i disagree um because it's like going into a house and someone's moved all the furniture around mm, with the yeah, white yeah. album, I think. <laughs> I like seeing them as their sort of own things, though. Like, there's definitely a different t- times where I want to hear either version. Yeah. Mm. Um, if I'm listening to it on vinyl, yeah, I want to listen to my first week pressings that, you know, mm. are, are my babies <laughs> that yeah. I love mm. and adore. 
and will be like, oh, this is the, you know, I'm going to put this one on and this is a moment of mm. like, this is culturally important. And then if I'm listening to it on on my, my, my Sonos or I'm putting mm. it on my phone, I'm like, I'm going to listen to the newer versions. I want yeah, to hear I think, that volume yeah. and the, yeah. the, it right there, you know. I think Pepper's the one that I really think some of those versions feel kind of definitive for me. Oh, it's brilliant. And that box set was brilliant yeah. as well. Mm. Like so actually good. how it looked and when you opened it up and mm. just... Mm-hmm. You're gonna, I, I'm, I'll always give you my money. <laughs> always give you my money. I've heard that you, when when you're on tour, you like going around digging for, uh, you know, original release yeah. Beatles. Have you got any particular gems that you've? I have What's got, your most treasured possession? I've got so many, uh, and it's 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 honestly my favourite thing to do. Especially in America, because mm. you're, oh, you're you get can get all the things yeah. you get all the things that everybody in the UK wants, mm. because you have the luxury of being over there. So if you're buying it over abroad, you know, and there's so many brilliant record shops, and every small record shop in America, yeah. or, or used record shop, their Beatles collections are just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like the last time, the last time we were in America, I bought a box, like a, a touring box to fill with vinyls and I left and it was all Beatles. Really? <laughs> yeah. And every day I would just call my dad and go into into record stores and just talk to him on my yeah. headphones, just have my AirPods in and just be like, I've got this, I've got this version 72, I've got this on, on Apple about mm. this and this. And he would be like, that's a good one, that's a keeper. Like mm. literally not no conversation, just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. this, I've got this, it's on like a yellow vinyl. Like I don't know what like what single, why it would be like this. And he, he'll be like, well, they did, you know, a bunch of singles in uh, this year and you should grab that if you can find the other two. And you're like, thanks dad, I love that. That's amazing. But that's yeah, I've bit. recently started getting into collecting uh, Japanese versions of the seven right. inches. Oh wow, cool. And that's really fun. Yeah. Because they just look amazing. Yeah. I think it was after getting the, did you ever see the sevens? Yeah. Box yeah, set, the yeah. blue one, where they remade all the, oh, yeah, the yeah. covers and, and, and sort of repressed them. Yeah. But each single was from a different place in the world. Yes. That was like, well, I'm screwed. immediately when I saw that I was like right now I need to find all these different variants of all these different things and I've got a um, what's it called like an app on my phone that sort of tells me the records that I have Mm -hmm. because the amount of times before I had that where I was like yes I've got this and you go home and you'd be like I've got two of them already (laughs) what have I done that for (laughs) but I think it's the first weekers where you get like a, a mint pressing I've got a mint UK first week Abbey Road Nice. Which is just like with with all the pictures inside as well. Like everything is perfect. Yeah. And that that is like brilliant. But there's, I I, it's my biggest regret is is seeing a butcher, and not not purchasing it because at the time I didn't have enough money to yeah to justify coming home from tour with an original butcher. Aren't there mm. some yesterday and today's where you can peel the cover yeah. off? Yeah, and, and there's the there's ones where they where you can see that there's the ver- there's seen a couple of versions where people have tried to peel it off. Right. So there's like strips missing from the front. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, still tempting, yeah. still tempting. Uh, but yeah, that's my holy grail. That's my that's my next time. I I sort of um, I mean like having inheriting all my dad's records, it was really. And I've just got them out of storage, and he had the mono pepper and the mono rubber sole. So it's like it's weird because I, I'm so used to hearing like the CDs or the streaming versions, yeah. or whatever. 
it's kind of weird to think I grew up with the the mono rubber yeah. sole mm. in a way. There was an American. I had an American white album, um, which I'm trying to remember if it was a, no, it wasn't a white album. It was a sealed one that no one had opened, and during lockdown, I I just got stoned and put it on, <laughs> and was like. Do you know what this? It was an anniversary of one of the one of the records, and I was like, right. "This is mine. This yeah. I'm not keeping this yeah, to sell yeah. it anywhere. Yeah, like, yeah. this is mine. If it loses value, it loses value. It's the yeah. same thing that I think with any of the toys and things that I buy and the, the little museum that I mm. create in my house, where I'm like, this is for me, and it will yeah. be for my kids if I ever have kids, and, and so on and so forth. But yeah, actually putting that on for the first time and being like, oh, God, mm. this is really good. Yeah, <laughs> and just yeah. sitting right in front of my speakers, being like, this is the best thing I. I've ever done, you know. But it smelt fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely. I think there's brilliant. something particularly lovely about the seven inches. About, I mean, my dad's yeah. ones are so worn and like they're so tactile and like I love they it. really feel like they've just been in. I love it when it has a name on it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Where it's like Steve's. Yeah. yeah. You're like, I love that. I love that it's someone's cared for it and looked after it and it's still in brilliant condition. Mm. And and it, the the story of that carries on, and somebody else loves it now. Yeah. And, and yeah, I've got a um, a, a, I think it's Rubber Soul, and it says like to Angie, I'll yeah. love you forever, happy anniversary. Oh no, seventy two or something. Yeah, it was a charity shop. So yeah. much. Yeah, it was in Oxfam, but yeah, amazing. But those things, you know, that's oh. vinyl, kids. Yeah. Do you think it didn't last forever then? Well, who knows? So the fact that it's in a charity shop. Yeah, it might have died. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I often think that as well. Like, <laughs> might have died. I often think that with with a lot of the records, where yeah. you're like, oh, someone's really cared for this. You know, yeah. it's when you go in there and you can find a bunch that are all of the same era, and you're like, these have these have come in mm. from some mm. point, and someone's just not cared for them. Also, I had to start buying my own ones because I was like, my sister is going to take my dad's. Yeah, you know, I'm like, she is. My sister's a massive, massive Beatles fan as well. She just she just had her honeymoon in Vegas and went to go and see Love. And she oh, said it was wow. just like biblical. She loved it. Yeah. Um, but I was like, yeah, you know, we're not going to share these. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you'll take them and I'll take the, you know, the, the cuts that you don't, you don't care about as much. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but that, it's just been great to sort of do that and sort of get, mm. get really into it. And, and, you know, the history of the labels and mm. who was putting it out and where they were putting it out. And mm. yeah, it's brilliant. wrap up we'll ask you the question we ask everyone I yeah. know you've given it a bit of thought yeah um, Sam what is your controversial Beatles opinion my controversial opinion is and it's it, I feel I feel like I might be in, in safe company I think George might be the best Beatle I think Ooh, he might be my favourite Beatle interesting <laughs> and I say that because I think the best solo record out of all four of them is all things must pass. Mm. I think mm. that is just just flawless. Mm. I think I mean not not that the others aren't and they and there are obviously some you know it's in strong company. Yeah. <laughs> but just all things must pass for me is just it blows mm. me away. It mm. absolutely yeah. blows me away and, and it's just a man that has got a back catalogs of songs that he has wanted to put out and has been obviously holding on to them mm. throughout that period and uh, yeah just just genius I think uh, yeah I'd say that probably qualifies as controversial does it yeah that's <laughs> what, I was, that's what well, I was saying yeah. is it controversial is it not is it 
Well, I, think I, I, I definitely went through a George phase. Yeah. But um, I'd say uh, I've left that era behind me. But who knows? He might come back. Where are you? Where are you? Are you McCartney? Lennon? I'm a Paul person, yeah. really, at heart. Yeah. If yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely coming around, not coming around, because I've gone through a John phase in yeah. my life as well. But I'm now pretty, I mean, I'm... Over the last few months, I've read a lot of books about John. And actually, to be honest, post Get Back, I've fallen in love with John a little bit more again. Yeah. Um, and, you know, been a little bit more forgiving of his scratchier side. Yeah, and, yeah. And also, like, leaning into how interesting, you know, he's definitely the most fascinating character. Yes. Mm. But sort of musically, Paul's, Paul's where it's at for me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, I'm, I'm with you. I'm definitely fazy with them mm, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's hard to pick one really yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely the, the, leaning George these days yeah. I think I was just thought, I, I mean I loved George was the first kind of Beatle I think I really loved and I remember like when I was young making a tape of all the George songs on the Beatles yeah, album yeah. <laughs> into a compilation yeah it's I amazing like, when you look at the streaming numbers as well yeah like, yeah his He's, songs are yeah. right up there yeah yeah, yeah, he won. He won that battle. That's pure vindication. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, that, yeah. That will teach him for that snobby little reaction to something that they have to yeah. in, in get back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Completely dismissing all or the run of the fact that there's a song called "Run of the Mill," which is yeah, possibly based on a comment from John or Paul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and George no, Martin as well. He was quite yeah. sniffy about it too. Mm. So yeah. yeah, must have been incredibly hard to have been a songwriter or a musician with. Yeah, with those two around. But I think I do love George on the Beatles albums. Oh yeah, because they're just like I mean I love Blue Jay Way and I love Within You Without You. Within You Without You, I probably it's up there with with one of my favourites. I've got Within Mm. You Without You tattooed across my knees. Really nice. Yeah, I'm running out of space of uh, (laughs) Beatles tattoos now. Yeah, really. really, What other ones have you got? I've got. John here. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I've got John on my on my sort of el- inner elbow crease. I've got uh, all you need is love on my okay. on my wrist there. Yeah. I've got um, I've got Paul McCartney's handwriting here, and, and in the end, the love you make is equal to the love you take. Wow, which is from the, which is his handwriting as well. Mm. So I, I got that from one of the. Uh, he's got beautiful handwriting. Unbelievable. <laughs> as if he's not. Good. Good enough for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll have that right across my heart there. Yeah. I've got Let It Be on my leg, which is actually funny because it was an ex-girlfriend's name. B? That was, that was covered up. No. Oh, right. It had, her, it had her name on it and then I covered it up with, with Let It Be just to be like mm. a sort of joke on I've not, I've not Let It Be. <laughs> I've, covered it, I've covered it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. There's always more yeah. to come, especially, yeah. Uh, there'll be another one. There'll be another one. I need that. I need some more. Some more lines. Maxwell yeah. Silver Hammer. Yeah. yeah. I'll just get a Silver Hammer. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for that, Sam. A pleasure. An absolute, absolute joy. Pleasure. Yeah, it's great. Um, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Covered so much ground. Yeah. But, I'm, um, I'm so glad the podcast is is staying strong. Well, thank you so oh, much. Thank you. Yeah. Great. So lovely to have you. And new record out in October? October 21st. Yeah. The classic symptoms of a broken spirit. Uh, it's yeah, it's uh, it's a really fed up record. <laughs> there'll be there'll be something for for Beatles fans in there. Cool, good stuff. Yeah. And you're playing the O2 as well. In- yeah, we're on tour with uh, Biffy Clyro in November, which should be which should be wicked. Yeah, superb, brilliant. Well, best of luck with it, and thank you very much for coming along. Thank you, pleasure. Um, 
And there you have it. That was our fantastic chat with uh, Sam Carter from Architects. And do check them out. New album, is it out now? Coming out this year? Uh, it's, no, it's out a little bit later this month, 16th yeah. of October. He's literally just said it, but I can't remember because it's been a long time <laughs> yeah. since we recorded it. I think it's the 16th. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that'll be something to look forward to. And they're also on tour, as Sam mentioned, playing the O2, bloody yeah, hell, yeah. for goodness sake. And also, yeah, um, gonna, you know, Architect's great. And also, if you're interested in pursuing that kind of metalcore thing, then... We're talking about great albums this year. The Ithaca album that came out this year is mm. absolutely brilliant. Really, really heavy, really melodic as well. It's good. Superb. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that. We will be back next week with uh, a really exciting guest, Anya Magliano, who is a fantastic rising star of the comedy scene, who's just had a fantastic Edinburgh Fringe, all sold out, playing Soho Theatre at the moment. Uh, it's a really brilliant debut show and she's really one to watch. Mm. Uh, and she is also a big fan of the Beatles and there are some really funny chats yeah. in next week's episode, yeah, so don't one. miss that one. So thank you for listening. We'll be back uh, next week and you can continue to support the show by going to our Patreon, uh, get in touch with me via email jack at homespunsounds.com and if you have enjoyed it, then please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a nice five-star rating and we'll be very much appreciative see you next week kbo keep beetling on that's been a while yeah (laughs) bye mate bye your own personal beatles is presented by jack pelling and robin allender the podcast artwork is done by morgan ritchie it's produced by me jack pelling and is a homespun sounds production